What episode is this again? We're getting an epic amount of holy moly from down under, and we're going to talk about it on episode number seven on the podcast. Maniacs for mini golf, hole winners on holy moly, content creators. I guess that's the two of us. I'm Tom and I go by Mr. T and I'm one half of a couple of putts. You can find all of the mini golf designs, reviews, and more from the pink putter and myself over at a couple and on social media at couple putts. And I'm Pat and in mini golf circles, I'm known as the putting penguin. I run a mini golf course review website and social media conglomerate, the putting penguin. I'm also a competitive mini golfer having played in over 60 tournaments. This year, we took our talents to a podcast after spending 2020 live streaming We're Gonna Need a Bigger Windmill, our Facebook show that covered the U.S. season to holy moly along with other mini golf topics. You can find that show in the archives of our respective websites. Due to the wonders of technology, we started our run of this podcast recapping the Australian holy moly season one, as well as the entire realm of mini golf across the world. In addition to being avid viewers of Holy Moly with a putting point of view, we've both played quite a few of these holes on the show. We've dodged spinning blades and been covered in all types of liquids well past our bedtimes. Despite our collective experiences on hundreds and hundreds of courses, we can safely say no mini golf experience can match competing on Holy Moly. At this point in our recording, you've probably seen the big winner of the season, but if not, be warned. We'll be spoiling this episode as well as making numerous references to the U.S. series. Also, if you want to see some visuals for the show after listening to this episode, check out Podcast Mini on all the socials. If you're still on board with us, you're probably not too concerned about the little audio imperfections in each of the episodes. Working on my editing skills and appreciate your grace, I'm getting a crash course in real time I appreciate the kind support from my friend Robert Frost III, who tries to help sweeten up our tracks and received a lot of great advice from Heather from the podcast I've Never Seen the OC and Neil from Cuckoo Kangaroo, who does the Wolves cast, a local podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll share out links to those podcasts and those folks and hope you'll support all of them on social media. Before we jump into holy moly, we want to share a little news from the world of mini golf. So I'll start off, and in Ohio, a developer wants to put into place Macaw Island, which is going to be an indoor mini golf and entertainment center that's going to be the central point of a multi-million dollar multi-use facility. You generally don't see this type of major development with the mini golf course, but this one will include a party space, office space, and on other acres of the land, a housing development. Very interested to see if the idea takes off. And if it does and we're in the area, of course, we'll stop by to play. And some mini golf news that's incredibly relevant to a podcast that has recaps and focuses on Holy Moly. Today, it was announced that Holy Moly in the United States is going to be renewed for seasons three and four, which means if I understand that correctly, they'll be filming in 2022 again. We've also heard some whispers of season three being filmed out in the greater Los Angeles area in the next few weeks. It's about that time of year. Season two last year started filming at the tail end of February, and they wrapped just before COVID hit in very early March. So stay tuned, watch social media, and who knows, maybe some people will spoil the whole season 
sometime in early March, but we're hoping that's not the case because we've already had the Australian Holy Moly spoiled for us pretty well in advance of watching the finale. Such is the life of someone who lives in the internet age. Anyways, back to the Australian Holy Moly. Some general notes on this version of the show before we do a recap. There's eight competitors who go head-to-head in a bracket one-hole tournament with each match held on a different hole. The distractor will serve as a redemption hole, which will put three players in the final. The winner takes home a gold putter, a green plaid jacket, and a chance at a super final for $100,000 Australian, which is about seventy-five dollars or $76,000 US. Since you're listening, don't forget to subscribe and give us a hole-in-one rating. And with that, let's head over to Holy Moly Scramble Time and our recap of the matchups. And we're back to Dutch Courage once again to start an episode. I think this one has started the majority of episodes of Holy Moly in both the first season in the United States and the first season in Australia. It's a popular and fun hole, and how could it not? For this matchup, we have a 63-year-old peacocking putter versus a 33-year-old barista that loves pink and makes pink coffee. Didn't know that was a thing, but love her style and love the attitude that they both brought to the hole. Both of them got rocked by each of the windmills, but Josephine had a particular approach that I think she follows up by using it on a couple of other holes. She just kind of puts her hand in the blade and gets knocked over on the first one. And the second, she just kind of leans in and gets hit. I don't want to say she was trying to throw it, but I think she was sort of trying to minimize the pain and just kind of like taking the hit as lightly as possible. Either way, it takes Phoebe about two putts to get through the windmills. Josephine gets through all of the windmills on one putt and nearly aces it on that putt and then makes her second putt to advance to the second round. Our second hole of the episode is the aptly named hole number two. So can you get yourself past the portaloos as well as you can the ball? Of course, that does assume that you actually got the ball past the portaloos. Tonight's episode, we feature Aiden, who's a semi-pro gamer, against Tom, who's a 21-year-old heavy machine operator who's a quick favorite of Wriggle with his Yapoon mudflap hairstyle that has a color that conveniently matches his shirt. And a great name. It's a solid name. (laughs) (laughs) So Aiden's one of the few who actually couldn't get his ball passed as he bounces off of one of the dunnies and into the drink, which puts him in the drop zone. As he attempts to run himself by, he gets nailed by the chicken in the second-to-last portaloo. Tom, however, has a great roll that ends up just short of the cup. Unfortunately, the chicken gets him too, so they're both putting wet at the end of the day. We'll have to say Aiden made a pretty good recovery shot out of the drop zone and over the berm, left him with a little bit of an angle just a few inches from the cup. But it didn't really matter as Tom just goes up and sinks his second putt to move on to the second round. I think that's the best attempt I've seen on a second putt on the drop zone from hole number two and was pretty impressed by Aiden. I think maybe his video game skills really came into play there with like the nice little bounce. Yeah, I mean, he used using the bounce so that he didn't go into the water. I mean, I'm going to just give him credit and assume it was a smart play. It could have been lucky, but it was a good shot out of there. Agreed. Now we move over to Putt the Plank, one of my favorite holes and a hole that I discussed on Design Time last episode. In this episode, we have Henry, who is a golfer and magician who does a lot of golf tricks and travels all around 
Australia doing it. The other person that we have is Daniel, who's enthusiastic. And I don't know how to say this very kindly, but he might be one of the most obnoxious people that's ever played Holy Moly in all three seasons. Not going to really spend a lot of time talking about him because, to be honest, he really sucked up the oxygen in this episode. And looking at all of the other seven competitors, I thought they deserved a lot more than having someone who was just trying to grandstand and take up too much space. Before I actually get to the putting, I forgot to mention, to set up this hole, there was sort of a funny wriggle and Dicko banter, where I guess Dicko didn't get invited to drinks, which I thought that was really good. And again, as I talked about last episode, it really sort of ties home the surly pirate kind of attitude that matches the pirate way of being as a set piece for this hole. We have Dicko who chips over the balls for Daniel and Henry. Henry gets an awful lie in a sand trap and Daniel gets not a terrible lie in the other near the other sand trap but onto the green. Daniel gets across on the shark, saves himself a stroke. Henry was deep in his sand trap, but makes a great putt to get himself out. He ends up putting it in and at a five, but and leaves himself in a pretty bad spot where Daniel has three strokes to get it in. He gets it in in two, and unfortunately, Daniel moves on to the next round. Great bit from that conversation was Dicko's line of, it's Australia, mate. It's meant to be equal. Don't know exactly what that referred to, but I like the sentiment. <laughs> Agreed. Our last hole in the first round is Polcano. So if you haven't seen this one, try to get lucky with some Plinko before you try to get lucky and save yourself from a concussion by riding the zip line into a telephone pole. Our two competitors this time around were Emma, who is a 40-year-old golf tour operator, up against Alex, a school teacher and known as the bin lady for her picture being used on some garbage advertisements. It's really a lot of garbage that happens on Holy Moly throughout these past few seasons. So Emma goes first. She gets a extremely lucky bounce out of the rough section that actually kicks her into the pole position. And her ride down the zip line ends in a quite impressive pirouette kind of helicoptering herself off of the pole. Alex is up next and hits into the sand hazard section and just simply holds onto the zip line too long, ending up doing a bit of a running woman into the water. Once again, both our competitors find themselves wet and putting. Alex gives it a really good ride from the sand, just missing, but Emma is pretty simply able to knock hers in given that pole position and moves on to the second round. And our first of the two semifinal holes is Surf and Turf. This one, Mr. T has done in design time previously, and you try to ride the wave with your ball up over your head, then go and try to survive three water cannons looking to blast you into the next episode. Here we had Tom, who is victorious on hole number two with his Yapoon mud flap, up against the aforementioned Daniel, who unfortunately won putt the plank. Dan goes first, and his shot ends up kind of on the edge of a bunker, and his run across the beam ends unceremoniously in the second water cannon. Meanwhile, Tom's shot goes way over into the sand and somehow managed to land under the lifeguard chair that was sitting there. This makes it an unplayable lie. No stroke penalty, but he's placed in the drop zone. He did actually make a really good run across the water cannons and just got knocked off before he could reach the end. So with some tough Putting ahead, Tom manages to get out of the sand and to about three foot past the cup. Meanwhile, 
I'm unfortunately going to have to give Dan a little bit of play here because I do have to talk about what is our first penalty of the season as he improperly used the back of his club to wedge it out of the stand. He gets a stroke penalty, ends up putting in for five, but unfortunately, Tom can't take advantage of it and manages to miss his next couple of putts. And as so Shervo so blatantly put it, we're now stuck with Daniel in the final. A quick note about that penalty. In tournament mini golf play, it generally isn't a penalty used the other side of the club with a normal hit, but it is true if you do scoop it like a wedge, that most often would be a one-stroke penalty. On to foul play, where we have Emma, the pro golfer, against the peacocking putter, Josephine. Emma hits the right channel, and so does Josephine, and they both end up like all of our other putters running across the log and falling in. The thing that I noticed, though, that was pretty great. So you look closely at the chicken that was sitting next to the hen house or the hen next to the hen house. I don't know. If you look at the chicken sitting next to the coop, there is a newspaper and it says inside coop chicken crosses the road. Really bad dad joke, but kind of love that they're putting in that extra effort to make a fake newspaper clipping for a costumed character to read on a mini golf hole on a network TV show. The combination of all of those things said together makes me love Holy Moly that much more. It's on par, on par for the show. (laughs) So we get over to the other side. They're both in that drop zone for when you hit the ball over to the chicken. Josephine's first putt gets within about two feet and is not too bad when you're trying to get out of that turfed area through the sand. Emma makes an incredible second putt. Maybe it was a putt off, but based on how Riggle and Shervo responded, I think it was just a really incredible putt that she nailed from about 12 feet away from going on turf that was super thick through sand onto a thinner turf. Kudos to Emma. She goes on to the final of the episode. Now it's time for dissecting the distractor with the putting penguin. So we have Josephine, who we just talked about being knocked out on foul play, up against crowd favorite, the Yapoon Mudflap Tom, who lost on surf and turf. Tonight, our distraction continues to stick with an Australian theme as we bring out a world champion whip cracker. More on him in a minute. Tom gets up first and sinks his first putt while Josephine just pulls hers up a little bit short. The thing I always say you don't want to do on national television, especially on The Distractor. Tom does his best to ride his putter after winning, causing a comment that he has gone full bogan or boggin, I can't remember exactly how they pronounced it, which of course caused me to do a little Googling. Boggin is an uncultured and unsophisticated person, a boorish and uncouth person. I actually personally think we might have applied that to somebody else on this particular episode, but hey, the more you know. Back to the distraction. This week, I give it three out of five fish. Personally love some more local teller tie-in. I think the inconsistent snap of the whip would throw you off a little bit as it's not really rhythmic. You don't know where it's coming from. The person is kind of moving as well as the whips are moving in your peripheral vision. So that could be a little bit distracting. And another bit of Googling I had to do is Riggle made a reference to it being the man from Snowy River, which I found out was a 1982 movie that was set in Australia and starring Kirk Douglas. So maybe not the most exciting of distractions that we've had this season, but I've probably learned the most about things uh, this go around after doing some Googling. And um Yeah, so that leaves Tom as our redemption person into the final hole. 
And our final hole, once again, is putter ducky, which I'm going to discuss in a little bit in design time, but not before I talk about it. So we have Tom, 21-year-old construction worker from Yapoon. We have Emma, a serious pro golfer, and Daniel, a jackass. All three of them putt over, across past the ducks, on the ridge, get it up the ramp, and they all get within probably six to eight feet of the cup. And all three of them get knocked in by the first duck. Not a surprise, we've had very few people get past the ducks on putter ducky. Tom knocks in his putt first, and he ends up with a three. Daniel misses, knocks Emma's ball, just party foul, ruining the episode. Emma goes in after ball's reset, ties it up. They go to a putt off. Emma misses her first putt. Tom wins the episode with what I would call like a toilet bowl putt that the ball just sort of runs around the rim and he gets a huge hug from Emma, who is an incredibly good sport. Tom from Yapoon, the guy that has the hair you wish your husband had. Tom wins and is our third redemption winner in a row that came back from a second round loss to win the episode. Yeah, I don't like to get too much big on uh, golf etiquette and stuff because I like to break the rules every now and then. But that move by Dan hitting the ball was big no-no, big no-no, real bad look for him. And I would add on top of that, that I'm all for people displaying emotion and someone could like fall and hit something if they just like are overtaken by the moment. This guy was overtaken by every moment in a way that was just like distracting and annoying. He's the worst distraction of the season. And honestly, I even still feel like we talked about him more than we should have. Speaking of things we didn't talk about enough, what did I miss this episode? I don't think it's anything that you missed in particular. And I would say to the average keen eye, you would probably have missed it. But both in a previous episode and again in this episode... There's some quick glances of what is most likely the final hole of the final episode, the Tomb of Nevertiti. You can see some pyramids. You can see some sphinxes. I'm sure it's not that far off from season two's final hole in the United States of the same name that we've already seen. So the surprise is kind of gone. But I'm very curious to see what it looks like. And if you're looking for that scene, there's a scene where Sonia is doing a bit where she's pulling up in a golf cart. And you can see one of the holes that she pulls up to is never TT. And then I ask you, Pat, what did I miss? Uh, I don't think there was anything too much on the play. I did think that right after Put the Plank, um, which was our first introduction to the energetic Dan, Sherbo was doing a little bit of dancing and then just fell <laughs> while he was doing it. And I had to imagine it was as funny on set as it was watching on television because it was uh, quite unexpected and I'm sure it wasn't hurt too badly, but uh, it made for some good TV. Now it's time for Design Time with Mr. T. And of course, that's me. And we're jumping back to the hole that finished off our episode. And actually, of the 10 competitive episodes of this season, this whole putter ducky has finished off four of them. So we're seeing a lot of it, and we're seeing it a lot at the end, which is interesting because the United States season two, holy moly, had putter ducky, but it only actually showed up three episodes out of 12 competitive episodes and the one finale. So it was one of the few holes that wasn't really shown much, but I really like it. It's a really cute theme that uses three different sizes 
of rubber duckies to put across a really simple and smart theme. You have these massive inflated, probably 10 to 15 foot, maybe even 20 foot tall inflated rubber duckies that are tipping back and forth into the area where the competitors are trying to both putt past initially and then run past to chase their ball. And again, like most of the holes on Holy Moly, the whole purpose is you have to follow the same path as the ball. Unfortunately, the path for the ball on Putter Ducky is about a five, six foot turfed area that's a nice strip along the water. It's pretty easy to keep the ball on unless you really miss hit it. For the competitors, unfortunately, with the size of those rubber duckies, it makes it incredibly difficult to get your body past it, which is why I think we've maybe only had one person who's gotten by the ducks all season. And I think one person got past it all of last year as well. They're massive. The timing of running by the ducks is really, really, really hard. So on top of the little strip that you're running across and having you fall into water, the thing that I love about it on top of it is you have all these middle-sized rubber duckies that are floating in the bathtub, the water that you're falling into, and there's bubbles coming out of it and foam. It's like the perfect bath time rubber ducky, you know, Burton Ernie like homage that you could imagine. As I mentioned, there's a five foot path past the ducks that your ball is going to take. And the nice thing is there's like a little wall of smaller ducks right next to the path. So you can't really cut across unless you kind of hit it a little cockeyed. So you have to go past those ducks and then go up a ramp and then come back down it to try to get the ball in the cup. Now in season one of Holy Moly, that ramp was a lot more aggressive and you could have actually shot over it, which nobody did. And on the other side of the ramp in season two of Holy Moly in the United States, there were some toothbrushes. Right now, there's nothing there. You just go up the ramp and you come back towards the cup. So they keep the design relatively simple. You have three sizes of rubber duckies and you have a relatively straightforward hole. The nice thing about the ramp also is there's the high enough of a lip of a backstop so that if you hit the ball a little hard, it actually is just going to give you a little bit of a backspin and probably slow the ball down a little bit as you try to roll it towards the cup. The biggest part of this hole is the challenge of getting past the ducks. It's a simple and fun mini golf hole that I've really, really enjoyed. If you look really carefully, you'll notice that the body of water that's used for this is that same body of water that's used for Uranus and the aforementioned in an earlier episode of Design Time, Surf and Turf. I had that also confirmed by a competitor and by, if you're watching some of those establishing shots on Holy Moly, you'll get a really, really nice overview of the course. So just have your pause button ready and you'll get a good view of the whole shebang. And that wraps up Design time with Mr. T. With that, we're on to our section called Wriggle Roast and Best Bits. And mine's a real simple one. Goes a little bit to what Tom has talked about before on the overall feeling of how Dicko fits as a set piece in the pirate theme of Putt the Plank and kind of the, the old grizzled veteran there. But instead of really getting over enthusiastic when it was time to send people on in the plank, he just simply said, you, plank, go. Nice. Short and simple. There was some conversation between Riggle and Shervo about werewolves, whether they thought they might be werewolves. And Riggle said, sometimes I wake up naked in the woods, covered in blood. So I don't know. Maybe I am. This episode was really won by our episode winner, Tom. 
he had all of these like lines that I don't know if someone was feeding them to him from production or what, but the line that I have the hair that you wish your husband had was genius. The whole thing about the full bogan, he just was like super sharp, really funny, and is one of the few competitors that I think has been able to hold his own to wriggle. And on top of having a great name, he also seemed to be an incredibly great sport cheering on his fellow competitors. So now it's time for Would You Rather? And this time I get to ask Pat a pretty big existential holy moly question. Given all things being equal and given a choice, would you rather play every hole on a holy moly going forward on any foreseeable season or practice all the holes you'd play on an episode where you would be in competition? All right. That's a tough... (laughs) So just to restate, to make sure I said this right, so you get a chance to play everything that ever gets built on Holy Moly, or you get the best chance at winning in Holy Moly and opportunities to practice on all of the holes that you would face in the competition towards the money, the jacket, and the golden putter. Right. So the competitive side of me who does that in tournaments sits there and goes, well, if I had some practice time, I could probably get an edge. But then again, the obstacles, I mean, they have a lot of worth, especially after season one. So would it be that much of an edge that would make me want to give up just having the chance to play anything they build in perpetuity? Um, I think at the end of the day, I'm going to pick playing them in perpetuity because I'm a mini golf enthusiast above being or wanting to be just simply a winner on holy moly. 100%. In fact, if you told me that I will give you the plaid jacket, the golden putter, and let's say half of season one's 10,000 or the opportunity to play the holes going forward on all of the episodes, I would easily, easily, easily say yes just to playing the holes because the thing is, and I've kind of mentioned these episodes, there's so few people that get to play these mini golf holes. And for us being enthusiasts that seek out the coolest and most unique mini golf holes around, there's nothing else like this out there. So any opportunity you get to play these holes, I say yes. And look at us. I mean, neither of us won our episodes and we've been doing more in Holy Moly than some of the winners have anyways. So I'll take I'll take it's that true. for the chance to play all the holes in perpetuity. Okay, we've come to the end of the show with Big Thoughts Mini Golf. The world of sport has enough aggressive posturing and mean-spirited energy. Sure, you can shake hands or bump fists, but once you're feeling a bit distance from the pandemic, I'd like to encourage more hugs on the mini golf course. Let's remind ourselves that there is a specialness of these places where we can share and play together, even in competition. And mine for this episode is, if given a choice between two places to bank the ball, always try to pick the one that's a bit closer to you. The shorter eye line and the closer putt makes it easier to control the speed and location of the putt you'll probably end up with a little bit better result. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. Until next time, putt one ready. <laughs>